Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of LifePoint Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, check out lpcvan.com forward slash youth. Thanks for being here this evening. Like I said, we are Citizens Youth. We're a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. And so if you're here tonight, and uh, I know many of you, I, I've met you, and, and you guys have churches and youth groups that you're plugged into, and that's awesome. Continue to do that. But if you're here tonight, and you'd love more information about gathering with us and, and becoming connected and just getting to know people, talk to someone with a lanyard on. Talk to one of us. We'd love to meet you, get your name, and, and get you connected. My name is Sam. If I have not had the privilege of meeting you personally and shaking your hand, um, I hope to do so tonight. But I'm the youth pastor here. I, I lead these students alongside many, many other youth staffers here, and, uh, and I love you guys. I love you. I, I've, met, I've met many of you on campus, at school, and at lunch, and different things. And so again, I'm here for you guys. Thank you for being here. And, um, and we have a great, great night planned. Tonight, as we do every Wednesday night, we're gonna turn to the scriptures, okay? What you'll learn about us as a community, if you continue to get connected here or you know friends here, but we turn to the scriptures every week because we believe that this is more than just a history book, okay? And this may be new for some of you guys. We believe that the Bible is more than an ancient book to an ancient people. What we believe is actually kind of radical around here. We believe that through God's word, through the Bible, that God continues to speak to you. We believe that you students here in middle school and high school, that you can hear God speak truth to you about your life, about the world, and about him. And it's through the scriptures. And so every week we turn to the scriptures because we believe that these scriptures are thoroughly relevant. These scriptures, they, there's life in them. They're life-giving. And as we learn every week, these scriptures have extreme and thorough relevance for every situation in our life, including death. Today I wanna to share a story with you guys. Anybody like a good story? Anybody find comfort in a good story that you can relate with, right? I love stories. Um, I'm a dynamic storyteller, they tell me. <laughs> I may get a little crazy up here, but um, if you think it's weird, maybe it is. But the reality is I believe what I'm talking about up here, okay? And as I share this story with you, I hope that you'll come to see truth as well, that you'll be comforted by the words of scripture and that you'll enjoy this story. And so I'm gonna put, I'll, I'll have the story up on the screen so you guys can follow along and we'll just talk through it and look at it. But today's story is full of tears. The story's full of mourning. It's full of grief, okay? It's a real life story. But the reason why I'm sharing this story with you is not because we need more tears, not because we need more grief, but because in the midst of these tears, in the midst of the grief and the mourning, there is a hope in this story. There is a hope. And friends, students, this hope has not only changed the entire course of history, but the hope that's found in these pages has changed the course of the lives of many students in this room. And I believe that the hope that is found in this story can change the course of even your life, even on a day like today. And so we're gonna find hope in our story because today we're gonna see the day that death was defeated. Today we're gonna see a story about the day that death 
died. Let's look at our story. Starting in John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Starting in verse 11. Let's read it. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. And so Jesus told them plainly, guys, no, no, no. Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. So what's going on here? We find Jesus, he, he shows up in the story and he just gets news that his friend Lazarus died. He just escaped Jerusalem. So imagine the Jerusalem metro area, right? And Jesus is in there and Jesus is a polarizing dude, right? People in Jerusalem wanna kill Jesus. And so he flees, he leaves Jerusalem, but then he receives word that back there, his friend Lazarus just died. And so his disciples think that he's crazy, but he says, no, we gotta go back. I know they're trying to kill me there, but we have to go back. I know people are trying to get me there, but I can't help it, we need to go back. And as we look at the way that Jesus handles this situation, it becomes so clear that there's something different about the way that Jesus views death. There is something different about the way that Jesus views death. Now you and I and and, and any normal person, we're kind of scared of death. We don't like to face death, right? You ever notice how in our culture, we've come up with a lot of ways to to not have to look death in the eyes? And so what we do is when when we we hear about death, we go, oh, shh, oh, shh, oh, shh. And we we talk in hushed tones and and we come up with metaphors and and we don't even, there's not many funerals anymore. We do memorials because we just, it's, it's human nature. We don't like to face death. Death is a scary opponent. Death is just so final. It, it, it kills us, but death always seems to have the last word. And yet there's something different about the way that Jesus views death. Do you, did you see it? Do you realize it? There's no, there's no fear in Jesus. Jesus willingly turns around and moves toward death. He willingly turns around and is willing to face death. Excuse me. And so we see that as he's moving toward death, it's like, well, Jesus, who does this? And then he looks at death and look what he says. He says, oh, Lazarus has fallen asleep. We see that Jesus doesn't fear death. Jesus doesn't look at death and cower and say, man, death has the last word. To Jesus, death is as harmless as falling asleep and waking up on the other side of rest. You see Jesus' perspective of death. He goes, oh, he's sleeping. And what's kind of hilarious here is that the disciples, they find this so bizarre. They go, wait, sleeping? Because nobody talks about death that way, right? And they go, oh, oh, Jesus, if he's sleeping, leave him alone, let him rest. And Jesus says, no, no, no. What I'm saying is he's he's dead. He's not taking death, uh, rest and sleep. He was dead. Jesus, he has this lack of fear and his perspective is so bizarre because he knows that death does not have the last word. He does. 
And so he faces death and he moves toward it. Let's continue on in our story. Verse 17. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So he's moving toward Jerusalem. He's moving into Bethlehem. And so Bethlehem was on the suburbs of Jerusalem, right? Can you imagine? It's two miles away. And this is where Martha and Mary are. And it says their brother died. And so we see that all of these people, all of this community, they come from Jerusalem. They go two miles away to console Martha and Mary. And students, it's because mourning is a community endeavor. Mourning and grief is meant to be a community endeavor. I feel like this week, you guys have proved that. Seeing you guys come around each other at school, seeing you come around each other on Monday afternoon and Tuesday at lunch and even tonight. I see a community of of union students and even Camus students and and everyone else coming together because we just know that we, we don't have to go through this alone. We shouldn't go through this alone. And so earlier in the week, we had a time of, we were actually just right here in this room on Monday night, and students came together and they shared. And every single person that left that room, they said to me, they go, thank you. And I go, did this help? And they said, it just helps to know that we're not alone. And so in a moment here, I'm going to invite up a student, and he's going to share. And we're going to do a little bit of this. Mourning is a community endeavor. And so we're going to invite Micah Goff up, and he's going to share some words and as he's doing this, he's, he's almost giving words to your grief, and he's giving words to your mourning. And so let's welcome Micah up here, and it's not easy, but let's welcome him so he can, he can share some words. Uh, well, I'm Micah, because <laughs> I already know that. Um, give me a second. Uh... Daniel was a lot of things to everyone. He was an athlete, student, a brother, a friend, just a happy face you saw passing in the hallway on your way to class. Um, but he always had an air of positivity around him. Whenever you had the chance of seeing him at school or when he's running or picking up golf balls down at the course, uh, but he just never lacked that in himself. And he always had this reassurance and never cared what anyone thought, and, or at least he made you think that. And it kind of reminds me of this time we were at this track meet running the DMR. It's a distance medley relay, and uh, called ourselves the Fantastic Four. And uh, we're all hyped to be there as a big meet. And we just had glad that we had the chance to go. Aaron was already going because he's such a stud. But we got to tag along as well. Um, but we ran that race, and we all tried our hardest and came in dead last out of 40 teams. <laughs> but we didn't really care. <laughs> we just went there and ran it. And <laughs> friend Jonah did a backflip afterwards. and. It was a good time, and it just really showed the kind of person Daniel was because we could come in dead last, and 
just kind of <laughs> smiled about it. But, oh yeah, that was us right there. <laughs> yeah, he just said, some girl was about to take our photo, and he said, just came in dead last. And we all <laughs> started laughing, and this kind of captured the air of our friendship, I guess. No matter what happened, I guess we are, as long as we were together, it was a good time, nonetheless. But, um, he was like a brother to me, and all the times weren't always good, but when they were, there was always happiness, and we went through things together, and he was always there for me, even though I didn't know him that long, but uh, I'm just glad I had a chance to know him as a person, and as a teammate, and as a brother, and uh, if he's here right now, I just wish he would have known uh, how many people cared about him, and uh, I just want to thank you all for just coming together and supporting Avery family and everyone who knew him. And it didn't matter if you just saw him once in the hallway or heard him saying something, because he was always a bonehead. <laughs> you, always, you all were touched by him. It's all affected you in one way or another, and I appreciate all of you coming here together. Because I know it's hard to be out here. You just want to be alone sometimes, but you just got to come together and know that the Lord has a plan. You may not always know what that is, but you just have to trust in him. And I just wish he would have known that if he was still here. I love you, Daniel. I love you, man. Mourning is a community endeavor. You guys don't need to do this alone. We're meant to do it together. Let's continue with our story. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give to you. We look at Martha and she runs out of her, out of the house there and she runs and she's just, she's a mess and she's angry and she's sobbing and she hears that Jesus is coming and she says, I need to go give him a piece of my mind. And so she gets out of the house and she runs and she says it to him, if you had been there. And we learn from Martha here that grief is often messy, right? Grief is messy. We see that she comes and on the one hand, she, she's full of anger. And she asks questions. She says, Jesus, basically, where were you? There's an accusatory tone in her voice, right? God, I thought you loved us, Jesus. Where were you? If you were there, this is your fault, God. Where were you? And students, here's what I want you to realize as we see her asking these questions. I want you to realize this. That's okay. Jesus doesn't look down at her and he doesn't rebuke her in her grief and go, whoa, ho, ho, how dare you? Do you know who I am? What are you talking about? Are you crazy? 
You can just imagine Jesus, right? And he's just nodding. Yeah. His eyes are wet, and he's just, he's feeling it with Martha. Students, there's space for that kind of grieving. Many of you guys have questions. I've heard from a few of you. I feel bad about even having these questions, but, but what do I do? It's okay. Jesus has space for those questions. He's big enough to handle it. But at the same time, you see what she says here? On the, on the one hand, she's angry at God and she's, Lord, I just, it's your fault and where were you? But on the other hand, at the exact same time, we see her faith. But, but even now, I, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. In your grief, it's not always as neat and distinguished, right, as I'm doubting or I feel good. I'm accepting this or I'm angry. I have hope or I'm hopeless. We just, we, grief is messy and from one moment to the next, you have these, this mixture of emotions. Students, that's normal. That's okay. Grief is messy. And yet Jesus gives space for that and he allows it. You imagine these people that, that came into the home, right? And you imagine these people that were coming to console Martha and Mary. What do you say, right? You imagine them on the road from Jerusalem to Bethany and they're walking and they go, what am I gonna say? What am I gonna say when I see Lazarus's sisters? What am I gonna say when I see Lazarus's parents? What am I gonna say when I see the room? What am I gonna say? And students, you know what you can do? when there's words that don't even seem to describe it, when you don't know what to say, you can imagine them all just sitting there, kind of like what you're doing now. You imagine them just crying with Martha and Mary, right? Perhaps they're sharing stories like Micah did. One of the most powerful gifts that you can give in grief sometimes is just the gift of your presence. And maybe it's just sitting there quietly and just being with them and bawling on the floor with them. We don't need to always know what to say. Grief is messy. Let's keep going in our story here. So now this is Jesus' response to her. He said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he looks at her in her eyes and he says, do you believe this? Do you believe this? And she says to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, who is coming into the world. This is the climax of the whole story, friends, because we see that Jesus doesn't offer these tired cliches. He gives true hope. If you don't know Jesus, allow me to introduce you to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's not a teacher that gives tired cliches. He comes and he offers true hope. And so he comes and he's comforting Martha and he says, your brother will rise again. And what does she hear? Right? What does she hear? Look at it. When, when he says, your brother will rise again, she goes, I know. She thought he was just giving her another cliche. Lord knows we don't need more tired cliches, right? But she thought that he was just giving her this cliche of, well, you know, in the end, just 
And she goes, I know, I know. I've heard it a million times. Everybody's telling me, just stop telling me. I know, in the end, we'll all be together. That's not helping. Don't we have cliches like that about death? Don't we put together these, these little cliches to try to comfort ourselves and we go, well, you know, it's, well, you become an angel and, and, and you know, in the end, like, we're all gonna be together anyway and so, you, you know, and, and we just, like, I just picture popsicle sticks. We try to build a house out of sticks. And but when Jesus shows up, students, please hear me. When Jesus shows up and comforts Martha, he offers a hope that shatters these hollow cliches. And he goes, no, Martha, with all due respect, I don't, I don't think you're understanding what I'm saying. I'm not giving you a cliche. I'm not just talking about some vague, well, in the end, we're all together. He goes, no, 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 let me clarify. In the end, those who believe in me will be brought together. He says, I know that you've been bombarded with these cliches. I know you've been bombarded with these, these hollow platitudes, but can I offer you some real truth? Can I offer you some tangible hope? Can I offer you something that will actually get you through this moment and sustain your soul? He says, those who believe in me will experience this truth. I'm the resurrection and the life. Jesus tells these people, for those who believe in me, they will discover that death doesn't have to have the last word because Christ does. Death doesn't have to have the last word because Jesus does. He says, for those who believe in me, students, death is not the end. For those who follow me, death will be no more harmful than sleeping. Because those who follow me, though they die, they will wake up, they will resurrect on the other side as if from a good night's sleep and they will live with me forever. Though they die, yet shall we live. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. I've been a youth pastor for a few years now. I'm 26 years old, okay? I could have done anything I've wanted to. I could have went to any college, I could have become any career, and I've devoted my life, my wife and I and our child, we've devoted our lives to spending time with high school students. Sam, what a waste, why would you do that? It's not a waste. You know why I do what I do? Do you know why I step up here every Wednesday night and I speak to students like you? Do you know why I go to kids' homes when they're broken? you know why I go to cafeterias and spend my lunches with high school students? Because I've been changed by this hope, students. I've heard Jesus' words where he looks at her and he says perhaps one of the most important questions in the Bible. He doesn't just tell a story and then wrap it up like a neat fable. A lot of times we think Jesus is just like a master storyteller, right? Well, there's some good fables, there were some good morals, and this is awesome. That's not awesome. Jesus offered hope. And he came, and I remember where I was. I remember the moment that these words spoke to me. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? The single most important question that any of you will ever answer in your life is this question. Do you believe Jesus' claims? Do you believe that when Jesus, this man, shows up on earth 
in real time, like in real history, when he shows up on earth and he claims to have the last word over death, when he's a man that can look at death in the eyes and say, I'm not fearing death, it's like sleep. Do we really look at a man like that with such bizarre views and do we believe him? I do. And it's with that confidence and with that faith that I, could, I, I pass these words on to you. Do you believe this? And many of us in this room, many of us who gather every week, we're on a journey. We don't gather together as a youth group or as a church because, man, we're there. We never have questions and, oh, man, watch us. We're holy. No, we're coming together because we wrestle with these truths and we're learning and we join small groups and, and, and listen to sermons and read. But, and we just, we do what we can do together to answer this question, do we really believe this? Do we really believe this? Death doesn't have the last word, Christ does. And look at her response. She said to him, yes, and then what's the next word? She said, yes, Lord. To call someone Lord is like, you're my master, I will follow you. And so we see here that for her, having faith in Jesus, having belief in Jesus wasn't just checking off a religious box, right? For Martha, believing in Jesus wasn't changing her Twitter status or her Snapchat ID to say, I now follow Christ. For her, it meant calling Jesus Lord, meaning I will follow you. You're my Lord. Do you believe this? We continue with our story and it, guys, it gets better. Look at the story. When she had said this, she went, right? So she goes back to the house and she called her sister Mary saying in private, the teacher's here and he's calling for you. And so when Mary heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village. He was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, guys, check this out. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And then the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. We see Mary's grief. We see Martha's grief. We see the grief of all the Jews that were consoling her in her community. And we learn, we learn that Jesus is with us in our pain. Jesus is with us in our pain. Jesus is with you in your pain. We see her response here and she's kind of sounds just like Martha, right? Do you hear the accusation in her voice? Do you hear her anger? She's not even mingling right now, right? We, we talked about how it's, sometimes it's messy. It's not even messy, it's clear. I'm angry at you, Jesus. Where were you, Jesus? And his response, again, he doesn't rebuke her, friends. He doesn't roll his eyes. He doesn't walk away and, and be overly sensitive. He looks at her pain and the text says that he's deeply moved and Jesus, he weeps. Jesus sees you guys weeping this week. And you know what he does? He, he's weeping with you. 
He sees the empty seat in your classroom and he weeps at that. Jesus loved Daniel. He loves you guys. And to see you in this pain, it says that he weeps with us. If you don't know Jesus, let me introduce you to Jesus. He's with you even in your pain. But there are more people in the story here. Look at the other people in the story here. The, look at the people in the crowd. So we see, we, we see Mary's response. She's kind of angry at God. We see Jesus' response where he weeps and he's deeply moved. But then look what the crowd says. Look at what the crowd says. The Jew, so the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? See how the crowd is split? Half of the crowd, they look at Jesus, they see how he's near to us in our compassion, and they're comforted by that. And for some of you in this room, that's you today. Some of you see this picture of Jesus who sympathizes with you and who feels your pain. And some of you in this room right now, you go, thank you, that's comforting. Thank you, Jesus, that you're weeping with us. Thank you, Jesus, for your humanity and your ability to sympathize and empathize. Thank you, Jesus. But look at the other half in the crowd, students. There's another half in the crowd that they're so angry and they're so bitter and, and they doubt Jesus so much that they speak against him. They go, oh, oh, this guy. Oh, yeah, I've heard a lot about Jesus. Oh, I've seen his followers. Oh, yeah, the Jesus crowd, right? Oh, he heals blind people, right? Then where was he? Oh, time out, time out. If you really believe in Jesus, well, let me throw a real hard question at you. Where was he when this happened in my life? Oh, if you really believe in Jesus, oh, if he's really who he says he is, then where was he when this happened in my family? Where was he when this happened in my school? Where was he when I was sitting by myself and I couldn't experience any of this without just, where was he? And students, perhaps you're in this room and you're in that half of the crowd and here's what I want to tell you. It's okay. It's okay. Jesus doesn't look at you and try to turn your question marks into exclamation points. He's not trying to flip your questions and, and cut you short and just try to give you some short, pithy answers. There's room for those kind of questions. It's okay. It's okay. But you know what my prayer is? If you're in this room and you're in that second half of the crowd, you know what my prayer is? My prayer is that you would become convinced of the love of Jesus by looking at his followers. My prayer is that you, as you see followers of Jesus in your classroom, as you see followers of Jesus in this building, as you see followers of Jesus in your, in your, on your sports teams and at your job, as you see followers of Jesus reach out and love you and comfort you and cry with you, that you would become convinced that they're doing it because that's what their master is like. That's what our Lord is like. And so students, do you know why we're here tonight? Do you know why we're able, why we even have the human capacity in our souls to care for other people as deeply as we do? It's because our Jesus is like that. And those of us in this room that follow Jesus, <laughs> you don't know us, dude. Like, if it was me on my own, can I be real? Like, if this was me, selfish Sam, arrogant Sam, jerk Sam, I know myself, students. Well, you're a good guy. No, I'm not. Like, I know what I'm like by myself. I know what I was like before Jesus changed my life. I know what I was like before I started learning and following Jesus. And I'm not a good guy. 
The only reason I am who I am and the only reason I have this, this fruit and this compassion, the only reason why I can look at another human being who hurts and hurt with them is because that's who Jesus was for me and who he is for me. And so if you're in the second half of the crowd, I want you, I'm praying for you. Continue to wrestle, continue to ask questions, continue to talk it out, it's okay. But I want you eventually to learn, my prayer is that you'll learn that Jesus is with you in your pain. He's weeping with you. And then Jesus, I love how it says it, it says he's deeply moved again. You ever go to the beach? Anybody been to the beach here? And, and you know how the tide, how it keeps coming up and you, like, you run away from it and you don't want to get wet? And then you go back and you're stepping on it. And then you run away and you're doing this little dance. And, and it's like every time without fail, the tide comes in and it goes back. Isn't that what grief is like? How many of you guys have experienced that this week? Where you're like, all right, I'm good. I think I'm okay. I think I can handle And then out of nowhere, it just seems to surge up again. And then it goes back. That's normal, students. That's grief. And we're doing that together. And so Jesus, he's having this, this experience. He's moved even again. And so he came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said to them, take away the stone. This is weird. People don't face death like this. What is it about this guy that is so willing to face death? He says, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, she said to him, Lord, by this time, there's gonna be an odor for he's been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. He says, Jesus, what I'm about to, he says, Lord, Father, what I'm about to do let this show them that you've sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. Jesus doesn't view death the same way that you and I do. He faces death. He calls out death by name. And look what happens. The man who had died came out. His hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. In Jesus, death gives way to life. This is a miracle. This is not a fable. This is not a metaphor. This is not poetry. This is not dramatization. This is a miracle. And this entire miracle, this entire scene, this entire story is serving as a powerful object lesson to Union High School. It is serving as a powerful object lesson to this room that Jesus is the resurrection. It is serving as a powerful object lesson that for those who follow Jesus, even the sting of death and the, the, the pain of finality is removed. It's removed. For those who follow Jesus, they will wake up, be resurrected, and live forever with Christ. Death doesn't have the last word, students. Jesus does. 
This entire thing is illustrating the fact death does not have the last word. Jesus does. You're in here tonight and you're mourning. We all are, right? We feel the grief. We feel the pain and the emotion. But the reason why I shared this story with you tonight is because I want to offer hope. I want to offer comfort. I want to offer you truth in the midst of your pain. Not hollow cliches. I want to show you the hope of Jesus Christ that shatters hollow cliches. I want to offer you a substantial and a tangible hope. And it's the hope that in Jesus, death gives way to life. In Jesus, death gives way to life. People who follow Jesus, they're just like Jesus. We don't fear death. To us, death is like going to sleep and we know that we'll wake up and we know that one day he will resurrect us and we will wake up and do you know what he's gonna do? He's gonna gather together all those who believed in him. He's gonna gather together his family and look at these, these verses in Revelation. As you come here more, you'll, you'll learn more about the Bible, but like any book, you can read the ending, right? How many of you read a book and you jump ahead to the end because you can't handle the suspense? Yeah, that's unfortunate. I'm sorry. But tonight we're gonna jump ahead to the ending and look what God does at the end, students. You thought death was scary? You, you think death is this opponent that is undefeated? We think death is, is this foe that nothing can conquer? Well, let's look at the ending. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. This is his family we're talking about here. He brings his family together at the end. He's gonna live in their midst. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Students, my, my offer of hope and consolation to you is the fact that in Jesus, death gives way to life. That in the end, I'm confident that you will see that death is not undefeated, that death is not unbeatable but that you'll see that Jesus has the last word and that he conquered death. And we're headed to a day, we're headed to an age where he comes and he wipes away the tears from our eyes and there won't be any more of this morning. There won't be any more of the pain that you're experiencing because that'll be the day that death dies for good. That'll be the day that death is defeated. And so put your hope in Jesus because in Jesus, death gives way to life.